You're listening to the ODI podcast. I'm Emma Thwaites and with me today is the ODI's senior policy advisor, Jack Hardings. Jack is working as part of a consortium called the Insight Digital Innovation Hub for iHealth. Jack, what's your role in the Insight project? So my role um, as part of Insight is to help the consortium to answer the question of who should have access to data via the hub. So the intent is for the data to be made available under um, restrictions to to researchers, so from um, academia, from the NHS, um, and also from industry. But the answer of who specifically should be permitted, under what conditions, under what terms, um, for what types of uses, um, is something that the consortium were really, really keen to to involve us on. Um, And what we've proposed to them um, is that rather than just they themselves making those decisions, that they open up that governance to um, members of the public, to patients and to other stakeholders. So my role is to help them think through um, and to design that in practice. Just so we're really clear, what sort of data are we talking about? So we're talking about scans of the eye. So those that are taken um, when patients go to, to or patients go into hospitals um, with a particular condition. The scans are, are taken fairly routinely now, um, at a fairly, fairly vast scale. Um, but they're not typically then made available for research. So there's not quite the infrastructure there that allows them to be used um, effectively and safely beyond just that direct patient care. So the idea behind Insight is that those scans are opened up um, for broader use, again, under restriction, given that they can, they can describe individuals um, quite sensitively. What expertise does the ODI have particularly that's led to it being involved in this particular project? So the ODI, we, we, we talk um, a fair amount about the need to, to unlock the value of data to society and to the economy, um, but also to protect people, communities um, and organisations from the potential harms of, of data as well. Um, so from our point of view, um, we need um, better, more trustworthy models of, of stewardship, of stewardship of data um, in order to ensure that that value that we derive um, outweighs those harms and that we, we reduce those harms to as, to as minimal as possible. Um, when we talk about this, we, we also describe um, the role of stewarding data as one of the, the sort of foundational aspects of, of how value is derived. So we talk about stewarding and um, creating um, and then making decisions. So stewarding sort of sits at that foundation level and, and really those decisions that are made about data at that level um, have implications for the chain as, as, as it flows, flows throughout and is used to build products, services, when it's used for research. So our focus is, is really, really strongly on, on um, that stewardship layer. And so for us, um, what we're working with Insight to do is to ensure that their stewardship, the role that they undertake as stewards, is well considered, is, is thought through, um, but then is also open and, and participatory um, and builds in the decisions of others, not just this sort of fairly limited set of, of people who typically play the role of steward. It's about broadening it out to others to, to partake in that. How do you make sure that stewardship doesn't become out-and-out control? It's a really interesting question. My initial thoughts on that are sometimes we want out-and-out control. So in some circumstances, I think it's appropriate for a steward of data to, to, to have ultimate responsibility and authority. It sort of comes that responsibility is, is, is part of it. But then in others, we would like them to, I think, in some, in some scenarios, to, to broaden out that responsibility or to share that control is the way that I would describe it. So to that, for that control to be jointly held or held by um, others as well. And that's really the sort of driver behind this particular approach that we're working on at the moment, which is um, data trusts, where that control is deferred to some degree by the organisation who would otherwise fully control it. I thought it was really interesting what you said about mitigating the harmful effects or protecting people against the harmful effects of potentially the misuse of data. 
I'm wondering what mechanisms or what, what pieces of infrastructure you need to put in place in order for that to happen. We, we refer to data infrastructure a lot um, at the ODI and others increasingly. And I think it really is an infrastructural problem or, ch or challenge, perhaps. It's not just about um, decision-making and governance. It's also the, the technical con controls and restrictions that you put in place as well, um, which is what makes it an interesting challenge, but also a difficult one, is that there's these different layers, layers to it. So there's the, the governance and um, decision-making um, aspect or, or part of stewardship. There's also the technical infrastructure or architecture required to ensure that data is stewarded well. There's then the legal environment, both that which is um, prescribed by legislation and laws, but then also the, the, the legal form that you might choose to underpin your stewardship. So there's these sort of array of different layers to it, which makes it, um, to me, fascinating, but also difficult in, in practice. So you're working through this process of designing, hopefully, this piece of infrastructure that will help to make sure that access to the data through the Insight Hub is, is safe and that people are protected and that it is uh, ethical. Does this piece of work have applications more broadly? Are you learning things that you think can be brought to bear on other projects or perhaps in other sectors? Definitely, and, and we, we sort of have one eye, one eye on that actually is to um, ensure that, that um, where appropriate and, and where useful that we extrapolate from this project and um, publish what we've found and also publish a lot as we, as we go really to share the decisions that we're making around this um, and how, how we're making them. And one of the things that I find particularly interesting about Insight and the, the sort of potential uh, lessons that can be learned, uh, um, given the, the desire to, to broaden out these decisions about who should have access to, to the data beyond just the partners of, of, of the hub itself, who then gets to sit at the table, if you like, who, who, who should be involved in those conversations, who should have um, a voice in that, who should have voting rights, um, is, is sort of a really fundamental question, who should be represented. So that idea of representation and ensuring that it's balanced, not only a mix, but is balanced, I think is um, really significant and something that we would um, look to apply elsewhere. So those lessons that we learn in this process about how to ensure balance um, or how to create an environment in which multiple voices have a, have a joint say in how data gets used, I think is what I would like to take elsewhere. And then there's the slightly, slightly meta consideration of who gets to choose who has the, the, a voice in this as well. And so at the moment, we're sort of working through that. And, and I really hope that we have lessons, lessons that we can apply elsewhere. You've been at the ODI for some time now and have experience with a broad range of different organisations and individuals, lots of people who are thinking about these questions of safe data access and how you create good data infrastructure. I wonder how much of the, th of the thinking and how many of the concepts that the ODI is looking at at the moment are being discussed and thought about in the wider environment, in the stakeholder group that you come into contact with on a regular basis? I think there's lo lots of interest in this, in this topic. So I, I like the way that, that the ODI CEO, Jenny Tedderson, describes that we're in a phase of, of working out what institutions we need um, to govern data and technology um, in the same way that new institutions um, grew out of sort of past waves of um, technological change. And I think lots of people are thinking about this too, so it's not, not, just, a, not just us um, at the ODI thinking and working on it, but there's a, a real interest in, in developing these new institutions. Um, and on the sort of the topic of, of data stewardship and different approaches to it, um, there's a particular interest in the moment at data trusts. So it, um, in some cases, um, a fair degree of hype as well. So I think we're in a, a phase where lots of people are talking about them and it's not necessarily always clear where, where the real interest is 
in this form of sort of independent stewardship and where there's just a, an interest in data sharing more broadly. So I think some of that hype might, might fall away and then we get to those use cases where there really is a need for this type of arrangement or this type of, of stewardship. I think in part it's been driven by um, data trusts being recommended in the 2017 review of AI, independent review of AI conducted for UK government. And then also the fairly recent proposal by Sidewalk Labs for a data trust to be developed for the, the Quayside um, area of, of, of Toronto's waterfront. So I think there's sort of a couple of drivers that means that this is a really significant topic at the moment. Um, and I hope that over the long term, some of that interest remains, um, even when it becomes clear that these aren't going to be a silver bullet, these aren't going to solve all issues of data sharing and of, of, of trustworthy data stewardship. Um, but I think that there's real um, legs to the idea. I was going to ask you a little bit about the private sector because one of the challenges over the past seven years since the ODI started has been getting private sector organisations to open up their data, to publish their data particularly, or to share it. Um, and I wonder whether you think that some of these new data institutions have a role to play in unlocking some of that um, concern or that, that, that fear of risk whether that's commercial risk or whether that's issues over IP or privacy. I just wonder if there's a, there's a you see there being an application mm -hmm. there. So, so I don't necessarily think um, uh, data trusts or other models of stewardship inherently resolve th those issues, those, those topics of um, concerns around um, privacy, commercial sensitivity, um, in some cases national security, um, intellectual property, and, 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 and others. So I don't think they're necessarily resolved by the existence of these new institutions. Um, but I think what some of these new institutions can be designed to do is to address some of those topics. So one of the, the things that I found really interesting about the work that, the, that we did with the UK Government Office for AI um, at the beginning of 2019 in, in seeking to apply these with real businesses, with real organisations who hold data, one of the things that I found interesting was actually asking them the question of why they would be interested in um, giving authority to, in this case, a data trust whereas they, in another world they would maintain that full authority. They, they collected or, or hold the data, so they typically um, would have the full role of steward. I was really interested to ask them what would incentivise you to, to give up some, some control, um, some authority, um, and empower a group to make decisions about data that, that they would otherwise, otherwise control. And some of the, the responses were um, that on a day-to-day -day basis, we don't necessarily have the capacity or the skills to, to make what we think are effective decisions about who should have access to the data that we hold, how do we ensure that it's used for purposes that are beneficial to, to others, not only ourselves. It's a, a difficult uh, a decision to come to. So that idea that data trust in some scenarios might help organisations who don't have the capacity internally to make these kinds of decisions to steward data um, um, in, the, in this way. And another was... Um, perhaps related to the Insight project, is to build trustworthiness and to demonstrate trustworthiness to um, stakeholders, I think, is an interesting driver for this. So if, again, the, the, in, a, in another world, in a parallel, parallel world, um, a consortium such as, such as Insight would be able to make full, would have full, full license over those decisions and would have full control over the data and to determine who should have access to it. Um, whereas they've sort of seen that in order to build trustworthiness and to demonstrate trustworthiness, that they're willing to build others into those decisions and to authorise others to, to, to make those decisions. So that idea of building trust, um, I think, is another really significant driver behind this and where data trusts could be really useful. We've, we've talked a little bit about the involvement of patients and the public more widely in the work that you're doing with Insights. 
And I wonder what you think is the is the wider role of the general public in developing some of these institutions and these models of stewarding data in future. I think it would be it would be really mixed. So I think in some scenarios, the the, the role that um, I might expect to have as a citizen or as a user or a customer might be to um, drive for data to be stewarded in, in this way. So for example, might might in the future I only trust a particular service that has um, used this type of governance or stewardship model, perhaps I, it might drive my decisions about what services I used um, in a way that it perhaps doesn't now. Um, in other scenarios, I might expect to be directly involved in those decisions. So where there is public or, or user or system representation in the, these governance models, then I myself might be, might be interested and willing um, and able to, 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 to make those decisions or to at least have a, have a say. So I think it'll be a real mixed bag, ranging from sort of driving or advocating for these, these approaches to being um, directly built into them. So Jack, finally, my last question is probably the most difficult. I'd like to know what your personal motivation is for getting involved in this project. That's definitely a tough question, or the, or the, the, the toughest question. To me, I'm, I'm um, incredibly interested in um, approaches and ways of stewarding data that, as I said at, at the start, really um, both um, ensure that we can derive value from it, economic and societal value, but also protect people and communities and organisations from potential harm. So for me, this is a directly contributing, I hope, um, to the development of approaches and models to meet that quite lofty or challenging goal. So for me, I, I sort of see my work as directly linked to, to our mission and the mission of other organisations, which I find um, rewarding and stimulating and challenging as well, which is, is I think, part of my interest in this. Um, in terms of the, the, the use of, of data trust specifically, my sort of personal interest is driven by the concept of taking um, lessons that we've learned from um, the past, in particular about how we've controlled and governed other form of asset. So the use of trusts in the past to um, hold on to land for the benefit of a particular community and the public at large, and taking those ideas, those concepts, and applying them to data and information in, in the modern age, I find incredibly interesting. So that, that's perhaps the, the underlying reason as well. Jack, thanks ever so much. It's been really great talking to you and we're all really excited, I'm sure, to find out what is going to happen next. Thank you, Emma. We'll, we'll share as we go. 